Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I am Marty, and this is Stacy. And on behalf of New Life, we are so happy that you guys have decided to join us on this wonderful day. So, welcome. If you um, are on the patio, hello. If inside, obviously, hello. If you're watching online, hello as well. If you are new here today, just uh, so you know that there is a free gift waiting for you at one of the kiosks. Hello, hello, hello. The Connection Central's outside. So we would love to meet you and give you a free gift. Also, if you're new-ish to New Life and you would like to know what more or know more about what we're all about here... Next Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, about 12.30, there is Pizza with the Pastor. I highly recommend you go to that and get to know um, Pastor David and the crew a little bit more and learn about what new life is all about. Uh, even if you're not so newish and you've never done that, you might want to. Yeah. Well, and as we all know, today is Mother's Day. And so for us, not always an easy one. So our... T- oldest two are adopted and so went through infertility at the beginning and so this was always a hard one am I going to get a flower I'm not really a mom but I'm trying to be a mom you know that in between so we really celebrate those that are on those different roads and um, my best friend was going through um, miscarried so hers were up in heaven so we know that that's where a lot of women are today and that this is a hard day for them and so we celebrate them we celebrate what God is doing in their life and what God is doing in the future. And so many people, I love this church because our moms in different ways. So we have so many spiritual moms that are here that are coming alongside the moms and mentors or coming alongside mentoring people. And um, they're sharing their mama's hearts that way. And um, teachers in the schools that may not have kids but are being moms. So there are lots of ways to celebrate all the women that are here today because in one way or another, we know that you're either... um, caring for other people with that mama heart. So there is places to take pictures with your family. There is a booth where they have goodies for moms and for um, all women, and there's lemonade. And so um, what is it? Tattoos. Tattoos. You can get a tattoo, women. So we just celebrate all women a today. Heart with a mom in it. And um, pray that you'll kind of come out and celebrate wherever you are along that journey. So let's go ahead and all stand right. let's up. Let's stand up and, get and ready say hi to, to someone worship. next to you, real quick, before we worship.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name,
that your name is healing and that ultimately your name is life, Lord. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, into this space this morning, into our hearts and into our minds. Amen. So this next song we're singing is called, I Will Exalt. And we just sang this at the prayer and worship night last Monday night. And as we were singing it, I was just thinking about the words and I couldn't help but just imagining um, my life without the Lord, imagining my loved ones' lives who've just gone through tremendous transformation, who have incredible testimonies of what the Lord has done in their own lives. And I was like, man, this song just speaks to the reality that his presence really is all we need. And in, in turn, because he is with us, the chorus just declares, I will exalt you, Lord. There is no one like you, God. No other name be lifted high. And so when we go to scripture, we see scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 13, who says, um, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And in the Psalms, we see so many uh, testimonies of King David and what he kind of works through in his own heart about his relationship with the Father. He says, there's no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Just saying, you alone, not, not any of the other distractions, not any of the other things that I sometimes devote my time and my worship to, but you alone are God. And then 2 Samuel 7 says, Therefore you are great, O Lord, for there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. The bridge of this song says, There will be no one like you, and no one beside you. You alone are worthy of our praise. And they, they wrote this song specifically from that verse of 2 Samuel 7, a beautiful song of scripture. And so we get to join in with scripture and we get to join in with saints and those who've gone before us just to declare the truths that there will be no one like you. There's never been anyone like you and there will be never, there never will be anyone beside you. You are worthy of our praise. We have a couple weeks left until Pentecost Sunday and we have a couple Mondays set aside intentionally for worship here in this sanctuary. Tomorrow I know our students are leading us in worship. And so if this morning's Sunday service isn't enough to just fill your heart and you just want more and you wanna spend time in fellowship just worshiping the Lord and ministering to his heart, we invite you again as a, just a gentle reminder, come in on, on Monday, tomorrow night, six to seven. It doesn't have to stop here, it can continue. Worship can continue and we can continue to worship um, this morning. But God, we just ask that the, the words of these scriptures would be true to what is coming from our hearts right now, God. I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. There is no one like you, God. You've done a thing in our lives that we can't comprehend and we don't understand and we can't fathom how your grace works, but it works. Thank you for beckoning us back to your heart, oh Lord. Would we never forget your faithfulness? Would we always sing of your goodness in our lives? And as we just continue to raise one voice in unity this morning, God, would we not take this moment for granted, this Mother's Day? God, we just thank you for your love. 
reflect on your love as one who has never let us down, as one who has always seen us, who has always picked us up. You are faithful. And so we just sing this song in gratitude and in thanksgiving for what you've done and who you are. Let's worship.
would you just kind of close your eyes and reach out your hands with your palms up with just a heart of gratitude and worship. Allow your mind to go to the things, whether it's this week or the last several weeks, the last year. May not be every day. May not ever be every moment. But allow your Allow the Spirit to take your mind to those moments where you can say, God, I am grateful. You're worthy of my worship. And then begin to remind yourself of just who God is, that He is Savior. He is holy. He is mighty. He is good. And He is worthy of our worship. Now I want you to open your eyes and I want you to look around you and if there is a mom or one of our incredible women of new life, would you just go near them and would you lay hands on them right now? We're gonna pray over the women of new life. You can gather, women, you can gather together. you just to hear this prayer and this liturgy prayed over you today. Lord, on this day that we set aside to honor and remember mothers, we give you thanks for our mothers. We are grateful that you chose to give us life through them and that they received the gift of life from you and passed it on to us. Thank you for their sacrifices the sacrifices that they make each and every day that so often go unnoticed. We thank you for the women who raised us, who were our mothers in childhood, whether birth moms or adopted moms, older sisters, aunts, grandmothers, stepmothers, or someone else. We thank you that we had women in our life to help feed us and care for us and kiss our pain away. We pray that our lives may reflect the love that they showed us and that they would be able to delight in us as their children. We pray for older moms whose children are grown. Grant them the joy and satisfaction of a job well done. We pray for new moms experiencing changes that they could not predict. Grant them rest and peace as they trust in you for their future. We pray for pregnant women who will soon be moms. Grant them patience and good counsel in the coming months. We pray for moms who face the demands of single parenthood. Grant them strength and wisdom in their time of need. We pray for stepmoms. Grant them patience and understanding and love. We pray for moms who are separated from their children. Grant them faith and hope. We pray for moms who have lost children. Grant them comfort in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray for mothers who didn't receive the love and care from their mom. Grant them the gift of forgiveness and strength to begin a new legacy of motherhood. We pray for adoptive mothers. Grant them the joy and gratitude for the gift that you have provided. We pray for girls and women who think and pray about being moms. Grant them wisdom and discernment. We pray for all women who have assumed and taken upon them the role of motherhood in a child's life. Grant them joy and the appreciation from others. 
We pray for those people present who are grieving the loss of their mother in this past year. Grant them the hope and comfort of Christ's resurrection. This Mother's Day, we pray. We pray for all of our women of new life. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, so God, may you strengthen these women among us today as we honor them. In Christ's powerful name, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate the women of new life today? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, go ahead and take a seat. And as we continue in our time of worship, I'll invite the ushers forward to receive the offering. Um, we are just grateful that you are part of our New Life family this morning. And we have some things coming up that we wanted to share with you. So one of those things is Celebration Sunday. So in three weeks, I believe, June 4th, is our next Celebration Sunday. And if you've never been here for one before, it's a really sweet time where we have people who are getting baptized and we get to celebrate with them. We are also gonna be celebrating graduates at this one because they will have just finished all of their schoolwork. So we'll be celebrating all of that. And then we'll also be celebrating child dedications. And I'm assuming it's gonna be a very busy time because we have had a lot of babies born recently. Um, Dana and I have the super fun job of getting to visit families who have just had babies, and we've been going on a lot of baby visits, so there are going to be a lot of kids being dedicated. And even if it's not um, a baby, if you have a child of any age that you would like to participate in the child dedications, we welcome you to do that. So if you want to get signed up for any of those things, please visit one of the connection counters, and we can help you out with that. Another thing coming up, the last Wednesday of the month, we like to have different classes. So this month, last Wednesday, I think it's May 31st, um, we are going to be having a parenting class. So if you are a parent any age, I highly recommend coming because Pastor David and Pastor Gina are going to be leading that class, and they have both spoken into my life as a parent um, just recently, a few months ago, I was sharing that bedtime is not my favorite part of the day because I'm exhausted by that point. So I'm very much like, a, let's wrap this up. Just good night, love you, bye. Um, so that's how I like to roll with bedtime. But I was sharing that I um, get jealous because when the grandparents visit, they lay down with them, they sing songs, they will tell a story, and then they'll come down and they'll talk about how sweet of a time it was and how much they loved it. So then I'll be all jealous, like, why can't I be like that at night? So I shared that, and Pastor Gina told me that when her daughter was young, that she would lay down with her and learn a lot about her, um, just things that she wouldn't have learned otherwise. Like she would talk about things that happened at school that maybe she wouldn't have heard. So I made a very um, intentional effort to start doing that with my daughters. And it has totally transformed our bedtime routine. Um, I'm still not perfect. I still have nights where I'm like, good night, bye. Um, but I have a very sweet time with them. And now they really look forward to sharing. We share what was your what was something that made you happy today? That's part of our bedtime. So they ask now, are we going to talk about what our favorite thing was? So um, yeah, I just encourage you to come to last Wednesday if you're a parent because you never know what sort of little nugget you're going to pick up from Pastor Gina or Pastor David. Um, and now we're going to watch a video. So prepare our hearts for the message. Meanwhile, 
Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. All right, can we just give God some praise for transformation? Hallelujah. I think sometimes we take for granted, sometimes maybe we don't think about the radical transformation that actually has taken place. And, and oh, let me back up. It's okay that I'm wearing a suit today, I promise. I, like, like, I know it's in the back of your mind. Just get that out of your minds right now. You know, it's Mother's Day, right? I grew up, and my dad would always get us dressed up and to celebrate mom. So today, I just want to honor, honor my wife, Dana, and uh, just celebrate her and mother and my mom who's watching me online. She watches me almost every week online, and I'm just thankful for the women that we have in our lives and uh, thankful for everything that God has done for us. And so often, uh, their voice 
are a, a beautiful disruption in our lives, amen? Like, like, like some of you know that, that mom disrupting what was going on in the back seat was really, really important, right? Like, or disrupting you before you went out and made a terrible mistake and, or when you came home, disrupting you and reminding you of her forgiveness and God's forgiveness for you. Disruption is so vitally important. And there is a beautiful disruption that we read about in the book of Acts where you have this individual, Saul, who is persecuting the church. Now, some of us may think that when, we, when Saul changes his name to Paul, that, there, that there's something to do with his conversion experience. Most of us think that because some English translator decided that they would tell us that Saul to Paul was the conversion experience. But the reality is, is that Saul is his Hebrew name and Paul is his Greek name. And there is no actual, he was actually referred to by both. So you would, would find both, both in scripture and historical documents referring to Saul and Paul. But what is not to be confused is that his life was disrupted by Jesus. And so I began to think about this, this idea of beautiful disruption and, and how often we talk about being a beautiful disruption in this world, but the question still remains, has there been a beautiful disruption in your own life? Like an actual disruption. I mean, when you read about Saul encountering Jesus and he has this radical transformation that goes on in his life, something changes, something shifts. It's not just all of a sudden that Saul decides to attend temple more often. In fact, he was already doing that. It's not that Saul all of a sudden decided to start following the law more rigorously. He was already doing that. And so often when we pray a prayer and we say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Like our understanding of that disruption in our life is like, all right, I just have to attend church more. I just have to read my Bible a little bit more. I just have to do these things a little bit more. And that's the disruption that's supposed to take place. But what we learn from the person of Saul is we learn that when Jesus encounters you and you surrender your life to him, that there's this beautiful disruption that happens in your life that changes everything. That changes the way that you see the world. That changes the way that you see yourself. That changes everything about you. So I wanna ask again, and I want you not to answer out loud, but just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this very moment. Have you allowed Jesus to beautifully disrupt your life? Like not just this change your church attendance and not just make you a little bit nicer and not have you allowed Jesus to disrupt your life, to change you, to transform you, to allow you to see this world and to see yourself in radically different ways. And when you hear me say that, I think there's a challenge and a problem sometimes is that we don't know what's actually supposed to change. Like when you read the story of Saul and you're like, wow, man, like if I was blinded, yeah, I think I might change, right? Like there's things that I would do. Like if I heard the voice from God speaking to me, David, David, why do you person? I'd be like, all right, I'm changing. What do you want to change? Just, just tell me, right? But what do we actually change? Or what changes? What if maybe you're trying to change the wrong stuff rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to change the right stuff? What happens when we're actively aware of an encounter with Jesus? What happens when we have our lives beautifully disrupted by the message of the gospel, his life, death, 
and resurrection. What happens when we encounter Jesus in such a way and we start looking at our lives and saying, God, I, I need this to change and I want that to change? Like, what is it that you're actually looking at changing? I think the wrong things that sometimes we look at are things that, that we wish either weren't about us personality-wise or we look at somebody else and then go, wow, I wish I had their personality. I wish I had their giftedness. I wish I had their stuff. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I, it's very easy. I mean, literally, you guys listen to, well, maybe not all of you, but many of you listen to all kinds of great communicators and preachers and teachers. And so it's very easy in this world to go, hey, maybe I should preach like fill in the blank. Maybe I should hold a mic. You know, that's kind of like the younger pastors, they hold mics. So maybe I should hold a mic. Maybe I should preach like this. Maybe I should be really deep. Maybe like there's this one guy that I, that I like to listen to. I don't agree with everything that he says, but, but, but man, he just basically tells people, you're stupid, love Jesus. <laughs> like, like literally, and they're like, okay, I should love Jesus. I'm like, maybe I should do that. And it's so easy. And it was so easy early on as, as a pastor to begin looking at other pastors and say, all right, God, you've changed me. You've called me. Now, now I'm supposed to be like that person. Can I speak to moms and women for just a moment? It's so easy to go on social media and be like, I should be like that mom. I should be like that person. I, I wish I had that personality. I wish I was being able to be extroverted. I wish I was, to be, I was able to be more thoughtful. I even had this guy, uh, when, I became a, when I fully surrendered my life to Christ in, in college, and, and I had this guy that he was so kind and everybody seemed to like him. His name was Brad. My wife's laughing because she knows exactly who that is. But, but his name's Brad. And I used to look at Brad and be like, God, would you make me more like Brad? He's so kind. He's so thoughtful. He's funny when he's supposed to be funny and he's deep when he's supposed to be deep and he's all these things. And like, God, God, would you make me more like that? Have you ever thought about like, hey, I've received Jesus. God, would you just change me to look like somebody else? But then what do we do with the words of the psalmist that say that you were created in your mother's womb, that you were knit together? What do we do with this idea that God has plans and purposes, not for somebody else, but for you? What do we do with this idea that, that God actually has crafted you together and that there is nobody that's ever going to live who is going to think like you think and have your personality and have your humor and have your depth and have the things that you have. And so God has given you those things so that you can communi communicate the message of the gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in a particular way. So you can live out the message of the gospel in a particular way. There are people sitting here right now that are extremely introverted. They're going, I wish I was an extrovert. And the introverts are going, nope, I really don't. <laughs> no, but, but like there's extroverts going, man, I wish I could get control and just maybe, maybe not speak out so much. You're sitting next to somebody who you might be going, I wish this person would be more bold or less bold. This or that. Can I remind you of something today? God created you. You are loved. And you are valued. And there is no one
who will live out the message of Jesus in this world in such a unique way as you will do in the unique way that God has created you. So when we read about this radical transformation that Saul had, now I'm gonna use his Greek name, who was Paul? Who was he? Like, who is this individual named Paul? See, some of us have read the scriptures and we actually struggle a bit at times with Paul because of his boldness, because of his brashness, because sometimes he doesn't fit into the neat box that we sometimes have when we think of what a follower of Jesus should look like. But that was one of the beautiful things that we have about Paul is that all of a sudden we get an individual who God radically transforms his life and takes all that he created him to be and all that he knit him together to to do and to be. And he focuses that in to a new calling and a new identity and a new worldview. And all of a sudden there's something beautiful that is disrupted in Paul's life and actually not just transforms him, but he begins to preach the gospel in such a way that it transforms other people as well. Paul is blunt. You're like, was he really that blunt? Well, let's put it this way. He gets in an argument with Peter and then he goes and tells Peter how wrong he is. And the scripture says, I went and told him how wrong he was to his face. (laughs) Do you have people in your life like that? Like, they're not just going to sugarcoat it or beat around. They're gonna tell you to your face. But then Peter later on says, Paul, he's so confusing, right? He's so confusing. Well, Paul was wonderfully equipped in rhetoric and Greek philosophy. And sometimes he would sound confusing to maybe those who didn't have the level of education that he had had. When I look at Paul, again, I see somebody that is bold in their proclamation. When I look at Timothy, I see somebody that's maybe more pastoral and shepherd in their personality. And yet both were used mightily for the cause of Christ. When I think about myself, the the language that resonates with me sometimes, mostly because of my background and the things that the enemy knows that I have to deal with is, I have to remind myself sometimes that I am God's beloved. I need that. Paul, uses more bold language at times. Like I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I am a slave to Christ, not a son and daughter. I am a slave to Christ, right? Both are appropriate. Both speak to what is happening. So what is it What is it that actually disrupts in our life? Let's talk about a couple of things. Some of the things that we see within Paul's life. The first one is this, that when we have an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills us, what disrupts in our life is that it disrupts my authority in my life. 
That's one of the things that you see happening with Paul is you begin seeing that, that the authority that he thought that he had, that he thought that his life was being directed by all of a sudden gets disrupted. I want you to think for a moment. You have an ideology. It may be you, it may be somebody else. You have an authority in your life that is directing your personality, that is directing your giftedness, that's directing your talents. You have an authority in your life that is giving direction to you. The question is, is that authority Jesus? Because prior to his encounter with Jesus, Paul had an authority that was guiding and directing his life. It was the Jewish law. It was guiding and directing life. That's what his authority was. That was what was directing him. But after his encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden the spirit took over and the spirit began to give authority to all the things that Paul had in his life, gave authority to his personality, gave, was, was the authority over his personality, was the authority over his giftedness, was the authority over his calling. It was no longer the law, it was Jesus. The spirit, as it filled Paul, all of a sudden pointed his life towards Jesus. That is one of the main jobs of the spirit. Did you know that? Amen. To point your life, to point your personality, to point your giftedness, to point your calling, to point everything that you are towards Jesus. Do you remember? Do you remember the comedian back in the day, Johnny Carson? You had this other individual on that particular show. His name was Ed McMahon, right? Ed McMahon got paid a ton of money to do one thing, essentially. He would say, come on, here's Johnny, right? Like, seriously, how can that be a job, right? Like, how can that actually be a job? And, and you're sitting here going, this, this guy, that's, what, that's like, what do you, like, do you get up in the morning and go, all right, I'm the here's Johnny guy. Like, that's me. But the Holy Spirit has a very similar working in our life. See, up to the time that Paul encountered Jesus, up to the time that I encountered Jesus, my whole life, my personality, my calling, everything was, here's David, right? Like literally, like, here's David, here's David, here's David, here's David. It's all about David. That was the authority. Everything I did was all about what I thought and what I did and how I thought, saw things. Every, every way I used my personality, every way that you, I used my giftedness, every way that I understood my personality was all about David. But when I encountered Jesus and the Holy Spirit began to fill my life, all of that became about, here's Jesus. All about his authority over my personality, over my giftedness over who I was. Now, Dana and I have had the privilege of, of parenting four incredible kids and they are all radically different. They do. They have different gifts and different personalities. They've been shaped by different stories. And so as we're parenting each one of these kids, do you know how like you see things in kids or you see things in children that you are working with or that you're caring for or that you see in your life or that you teach and you go, wow, there's a boldness there. There's a, there's a 
there's a fearlessness there. There's a risk taker. There's, there's a quietness. There's a depth. There's a silentness. There's a, there's a listening skill there. And you're going, all right, Lord, would they bring that personality trait? Would they bring that thing that you knit them together to utilize? Would they bring that under the authority of Jesus? Because when you watch somebody that's a risk taker, when you watch somebody that's bold, you're like, all right, God, they can use this for good or evil later on, right? And you're going, all right, if they place this underneath your authority, they are going to use their giftedness, how you created them for your glory. God, my child's a listener, they're a thinker, but I also know that if they're gonna be a listener and a thinker, that they have to listen to the right things and they have to dwell on the right things because it's gonna be just as easy for them to listen to the wrong things and dwell on the wrong things. So God, would you place their ability to listen under your authority, God? Would you teach them how to place that under your authority? Paul was bold. He told people what they needed to hear, not what they always, what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. That didn't change. You didn't go like, Paul didn't encounter Jesus and be like, all right, I'm a very nice and mild mannered person now. And some of us look at other Christians are like, hold on a second. I'm supposed to be like really mild mannered and calm and, and a deep thinker and this, that. No, 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 no. What if God created you and your personality and the way that he has uniquely crafted you together to come underneath his authority so that somebody can express the gospel in a way that nobody else is gonna express the gospel. But the authority portion is, is, is key. Because when you come underneath the authority of God, there's also gonna be two things that are gonna be added to your personality. Several things are gonna be added to your giftedness. The first one is spiritual gifts. That there are things that God is going to give you that you are going to, that's gonna be added to your personality. And so let's take this for example. There is a gift of teaching. And I have heard great teachers who are exhorters and great teachers who are quieter. I actually have, have listened to a preacher who reads a manuscript and never looks up at the congregation and it's powerful messages. So you can have the gift of teaching and God uses your personality and your, how you are wired in order to bring that about. And so Paul is bold. He is bold in how he communicates. He's bold in how he understands things and he continues to be bold. The second thing that's added to is the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So yes, you can still be bold and the spirit can help you have patience. You can be bold and the gift of the spirit is that you, that you frame that boldness not in wanting to be right, I had a professor one time that, that wept in front of us because he said, when I was a young professor, I just wanted to be right. When I, as, I, as the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart, I used my wisdom and my knowledge and, my, and the academic pursuits to teach people just how to fall in love with Jesus. 
still used his gift of academics and wisdom. But instead of just wanting to prove other people wrong and that, prove that he was right, he just wanted people to fall in love with Jesus. Who's the authority? I mean, when you prayed that prayer, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, when you said, Jesus, I, I surrender my life, I receive your gift of forgiveness. Did his authority disrupt your authority? Second thing, he disrupts our identity. He disrupts my identity. Paul's writing to the church of Galatia. He says this in Galatians chapter 1, 13 and 14. He says this. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. How I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. He's, he's a humble person too, isn't Paul? Right? See, some of you are trying, I, I should be more humble. No, you should just maybe brag on Jesus. God has given you the gift of that exhortation. But here you have Paul and he says that he has zeal. Zeal, he had a political zeal and he had a military zeal and he had a zeal for the law. And so one of the things that we need to know about, uh, about Paul is that as he was uh, looking at the world, part of his responsibility was to um, make sure that Israel kept the law so that Christ could return and take up um, his authority in this world. And if anybody was breaking the law, Christ wasn't going to, re or uh, the Messiah wasn't going to return. Not specifically Jesus, but the Messiah that they were waiting for wasn't going to return. And so he was passionate about making sure that Israel was pure because if Israel wasn't pure, the Messiah wouldn't come. And so he was so passionate that he was willing to kill people to keep Israel pure. He had seal. He had passion. That didn't change. It is through the ministry of Paul that the church of Jesus Christ becomes missionary-minded and begins to spread throughout the world. It is through somebody who had this type of zeal and this type of passion, this type of Let's be honest, bullheadedness. That when he was put in chains and he, chains and he was stoned and he was lashed and people would persecute him, he didn't stop and say, hey, okay, I get it, I get it. I'm going home, I'll just be quiet. No, he preached the gospel even more. See, he came underneath the authority of Jesus and allowed Jesus to begin to dictate his calling and dictate his identity. So in Romans chapter one, verse one, instead of being somebody who is focused on the zeal of their ancestors and the zeal of the law, he becomes this. Romans chapter one, verse one says, this letter is from Paul. Good, we know it's from Paul. So he's gonna talk about himself. He says this, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. That's who he was. A slave, a servant to Jesus Christ. 
Not a slave and a servant to the law anymore. His identity was a slave and a servant to Jesus Christ. Chosen by God to be an apostle. There's a calling there. And sent out to preach his good news. Not Paul's good news, but Jesus' good news. I mean, Paul could have been somebody who was like, oh, I was so awful, right? There could be so much shame there. I persecuted those who followed Jesus. I was bullheaded. I arrested Christians, placed them in prison. See, some of us have allowed Jesus to kind of disrupt our lives, but that's how we sit. Rather than allowing our identity to be transformed and recognize that we are no longer who we used to be, a persecutor of Christians from Paul's story. We are now slaves to Jesus Christ, sons and daughters. I have been crucified with Christ, but I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. And some of us have been sitting in the back seats going, there's no way, there's no way. Do you know who I used to be? Do you know what I did? But here's the thing. It's not just about you. You're a part of a body. And we need you. And your personality and your giftedness and the things that only you can do, the things that are unique to how the gospel is gonna be proclaimed through you. And so we need you to come under the authority of Jesus and surrender your life and take on that new identity, receive that new identity that you are a slave to Christ. That he has so disrupted your life and transformed your life. And the Holy Spirit is now guiding and directing. The third thing, he disrupts Paul's worldview. Acts 9 verse 19 says this. Saul spent several days with his disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among, among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. I want you to go back to verse 21 and I want you to find however it's translated there. Um, isn't he the man? Underline it. Isn't he the man? And ask yourself this. When somebody looks at the disruption that Jesus has made in your life, when the, someone that looks at the disruption that Jesus has made in my life, would they have an isn't he the man story that goes with it? 
Isn't he the man that used to treat people unkind? Isn't he the man that used to have a... a, be all focused on himself. Isn't he the man that that used to be about money? Isn't he the man that only wanted his agenda to be done? Isn't he the man or woman? Isn't he? See, when God disrupts our life, there should be this story of who we used to be and what now it looks like to come underneath the authority of what God is doing. And it transforms our worldview. And and Paul, all of a sudden, went from one who saw Jesus as a threat to Israel to someone who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And my question for you is, when Jesus disrupted your life, did all of a sudden you see this world radically different because of who Jesus is? Did you allow the authority of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to point you towards Jesus, that all of a sudden you weren't operating underneath your authority, but you were operating under the authority of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection? Did you allow his identity to be shaped in you, that no longer you were somebody who your identity was in your sin or your identity was in your shame or your identity was in the things that you used to do, but your identity was one who was a son or a daughter of the Most High God? that your identity is one that you are a slave to Christ, that your identity is one that you have been crucified with Christ, that I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. What is your identity? Because I think if we're not careful, our identity as a Christian is I go to church. I read my Bible. I'm a little bit nicer. Worldview. Have you allowed Jesus to transform your worldview? Will you see the brokenness of this world and say, there's sin? Will you look at this world and see hope and say, there's a need for Jesus? Or there's a story that could be said about you. Isn't this the person? that used to think this way, that used to live this way, but now operates under the authority of Jesus, the calling of Jesus. See, some of you have been asking yourself, how do I, how do I change? How do I transform? Well, let me ask you this. What are you currently doing? As a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a friend. What are you currently doing as a business owner, as a teacher, as a medical professional, as a business owner, as someone in retirement? And what would it look like for you to come underneath the authority of Jesus in all of those areas? What would it look like for someone to say, hey, you know what, when they, when they started that business way back then, I think they were just thinking about making money and doing a little bit better and setting up their family for generational success. But man, when they came underneath the authority of Jesus, all of a sudden, it transformed how they saw everything. When they began to teach, it was about how smart they were. 
they came under the authority of Jesus. When they, when they thought about themselves as a parent, it was all about how the kids were going to reflect on them and their image and all this kind of stuff. But man, when they began to see that their primary role as a parent was to disciple their kids, they came underneath the authority of Jesus. Would you disrupt our lives? Would you transform our identity? Would you transform our worldview? Would you transform how we see things and disrupt the authority that we have in our lives? So I want to ask you this. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to disrupt your life. Like, like you've you maybe have prayed a prayer, or maybe you haven't. But you've never allowed Jesus to come in and disrupt your life, to come underneath his authority. Like you basically said, Jesus, I'll, I'll let you forgive me of my sins, but I'm gonna still operate underneath the authority of David, right? Your authority. What would it look like for you to surrender and say, God, no, it's not my authority anymore, it's yours. Or you've been still operating in your old identity or your old calling. Again, you allowed Jesus to take care of this area of your life, but he wants all of you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? And this might be way out of your personality. Jesus to disrupt your life for the very first time or you're saying, God, I have allowed myself to still have authority. I, I've allowed myself to still run things. Without anybody looking around, I just want you to stand up right where you're at if you're saying, God, I want you to disrupt my life either for the first time or fresh and anew. If that's you today, I want you to stand up right where you're at, right where you're at, all over. just like the beginning, I want you to hold out your hands with your palms up, ready to receive, because this isn't anything that you can earn. It's not anything that you can work hard enough for. And God, I just want to pray right now, God, would you grant them for those who maybe have never had you disrupt their lives, God, would you disrupt their lives in this way? Would they receive your gift of forgiveness right now and know that they are a sinner in need of a savior and God, that you have forgiven them, that they are not held captive to that sin anymore, that they are not enchained to that shame anymore, God, that you have forgiven them. Would they receive your gift of forgiveness in their life? And God, for those that maybe they just haven't had their lives disrupted in a while. And it's so easy for the slow fade to, to regain our authority and to regain our old identity, God. 
or any number of things that can happen, God, would you just disrupt their life afresh and anew? Would your Holy Spirit breathe fresh wind and fresh fire upon them, God? Would you let them know that, that God, you want to disrupt their life so that they come underneath your authority and your guidance and your direction and your vision for their life? So God, we open ourselves up to you. Holy Spirit, we give you reign and authority to shape us further into your image, to transform us, God, so that we might look more like you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I invite everybody to stand with me this morning. A couple of real quick things. First of all, we always have a prayer, our prayer team here and so as we've been saying the last about month, we just want to remind you, before you head out, just take a breath and allow yourself to say, Lord, are you done speaking with me in this moment? He may have more to say to you later, but in this moment, God, are you done speaking? If you sense that there's more that he wants to say or wants you to share with somebody or wants you to be prayed over, I invite you to come forward. If not, I invite you to go and make sure you're in time for those reservations that you made for mom or at home that roast that's cooking or any number of things and Sabbath and celebrate well. And the second thing I want you to know is upcoming in June, the very first Sunday in June, we're going to have baptism. If you are somebody who maybe prayed that prayer today or maybe you said, God, would you disrupt my life and you've never been baptized or you wanna talk to somebody about baptism, we invite you um, to meet. I'll be on the, the patio afterwards. Come talk to me about it. Come, uh, you can sign up and say, hey, I want more information about what it means to be baptized and we just wanna celebrate that with you. As you go today, May you go as a people who didn't just come to church, but had your lives disrupted by Jesus. Go into this world and live as those who have been disrupted by our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.